Welcome to Womble Perspectives, where we explore a wide range of topics from the latest legal updates to industry trends to the business of law. Our team of lawyers, professionals, and occasional outside guests will take you through the most pressing issues facing businesses today and provide practical and actionable advice to help you navigate the ever-changing legal landscape. With a focus on innovation, collaboration, and client service, we are committed to delivering exceptional value to our clients and to the communities we serve. And now our latest episode. Welcome to another episode of Womble Perspectives, the first in our 2024 February Saturday series. As a firm, we believe our team members' unique perspectives allow us to deliver more integrated solutions, fresh perspectives, and quality advice. Each Saturday throughout the month, we're broadcasting interviews with some of our attorneys featuring stories about their careers and told in their own words, illustrating just how our firm offers a point of view like no other. First up, Jed Nosel from Boston. Jed, thank you for joining us today. Going back to before your career started, when did you know you were going to practice law? What got you started on this route of becoming an attorney? Sure. Uh, um, so I'm going to actually combine sort of the answers to to both First. why law and why government, because they're related. Gotcha. Um, so I'll be frank. Uh, when I was you know, finishing college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, the law was always something that I respected and had respect for people that uh, certainly uh, went into it. Um, I thought I really couldn't go wrong with a you know, with a law degree and a law school education. And I thought regardless of, you know, where I ended up, um, I thought that was going to be a good sort of foundation for, you know, critical thinking and, and you know, any number of sort of, um, you know, maybe career paths uh, after that. Sure. And while I was in law school, um, I ended up with an internship in my second year uh, at the uh, city of Boston, Boston Police Department. And I met a group of lawyers and the then legal advisor to the police commissioner that really inspired me not only to pursue a career in law, but also um, to um, uh, to pursue a, a career in government. And I saw this level of dedication uh, and commitment uh, and camaraderie amongst uh, government lawyers that was really inspirational to me, and um, it 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 not only solidified sort of my and ratified in a lot of ways my decision to go to law school and be part of this, but then be uh, a government lawyer, which um, not only had I not thought about uh, being a uh, lawyer, uh, practicing lawyer, but uh, then uh, a government lawyer that was probably not on my radar screen as all at all. And yet these uh, lawyers that I spent some time with and um, and really was uh, in in very formative you know years in both my legal education and then as a practicing uh, lawyer really um, set me down a course to uh, both uh, practice and. Uh, practice and represent uh, the public interest and uh, and the government. Continuing on that thread for a little bit, you've worked for a lot of government agencies before you entered private practice. What were those experiences like? Were there common elements between them? Sure. So first, I'm going to go back to the 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 
the people, um, because that's where it all began for me. And not only were they some of the, the people that I've served with in government and that I've worked for in government, were not only people that were incredibly dedicated to what they were doing, they were also uh, incredible lawyers. And the uh, people that uh, that serve uh, and serve, you know, the public interest are really this this very talented group. And I think that this being part of that type of a team um, and being able to, you know, call on anybody within sort of that government infrastructure if you have a particular issue um, is really something that's that that to me was very unique. Um, and government um, has such a, a depth of um, of experience when it comes to lawyers and expertise, and you really don't have to think twice about, hey, you know what, I really have a really tough issue around uh, a tax um, matter that um, you know would be helpful for me to understand. And you know, you can literally go to probably somebody that's you know, written that part of the code or has right. uh, written a treaty or has, you know, enforced that particular provision for, you know, a number of years. And I found sort of that that willingness and that camaraderie and that sort of collective interest in serving the public is something that's really incredibly unique uh, to public service. And again, you know, throughout my, my, um, my, my years as a lawyer, still, you know, thinking back and, 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 uh, seeing sort of the talent and the and the you know the expertise um, of the people that were there, that it's really something that I have never you know experienced. Or I, it's tough to replicate. Um, you know, certainly um, outside of uh, being part of the government uh, and being a government lawyer. And that's interesting. You say that. I don't think a lot of people know that. And seeing this sort of talent and dedication, that it's kind of an anomalous role in a way, but vital to our system. Yeah, and 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 again, getting back to this experience, and I use this word with respect, not uh, in a negative way. Lawyers that spend their career in government, and you know, people may look and call them, you know, maybe uh, more, you know, bureaucrats than than lawyers. I think that that's you know essential for the functioning of uh, the highly effective functioning of government to have that level of experience, to have people that are that talented and work that hard. Um, in order to serve again, sort of the public interest, or as opposed to a, a private interest, and and seeing that sort of across the board in all the, you know, all the um, uh, different uh, levels of government that I've uh, served at, uh, and seeing uh, the leadership in some of those uh, offices, and um, has been, you know, again, really inspirational to me. And for me, as a young lawyer, to spend time with people like that, it really formulated sort of not only the way, you know, that I practice, it really formulated the way that I, you know, approach the entire, you know, legal profession uh, as well, which is, you know, one with humility and respect um, and uh, one that's interested in, you know, both uh, solving problems, uh, but doing it in a way that's incredibly, you know, constructive and consistent. Um, with what the you know overall um, interests of now a client would be, but then you know what the government's interests and what the public interest would have been at the time. And you know you asked about sort of the different experiences. It's interesting when you work in local government, you work in state government, um, and I think this would extend to the federal government, although I didn't have never practiced there. It, you know your your job moves almost further away from decisions that directly affect people, right? 
You know, when mm-hmm. I worked for the uh, Boston Police Department, you were dealing with a, a case or a particular issue that once it was resolved, you know, you saw the immediate effect. Um, you know, I did all civil work for the Boston Police Department, and it's kind of where I first got my um, you know, sparked an interest in sort of regulated industries. And I used to do a lot of work around regulating the taxi industry. And, you know, you would make changes and you would immediately see how those changes are implemented and how, you know, the public was served by better, um, you know, service or, you know, better, you know, vehicles uh, within the taxi fleet. As you move away from that, you get to the, you know, to the state level, you're dealing with arguably larger decisions, but ones right. that, you know, are, are you see less of that sort of direct impact on, on, a, on an individual person or a mm-hmm. particular uh, sector. And I think as you move up the continuum to the federal government, again, bigger issues, larger responsibilities, but less um, probably um, um, uh, matters that end up sort of affecting, you know, a individual person very quickly. Um, and I thought, I think that was sort of an interesting sort of difference between working at the local level and the state level, certainly. And I, again, my, I'm assuming it sort of continues that way uh, on the on the federal level as well. It makes sense that would be the case where at the local level, it probably does have the more direct, immediate individual impact. Yeah, you you work for the governor and you're helping, you know, shape legislation that's going to affect, you know, the six odd million uh, residents of the of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And it's going to be really important and it's going to make a difference. You work for the city, you're dealing with a specific case, uh, an individual that may have, you know, uh, an issue with the city that if you can resolve it, um, you know, that's going to provide a direct benefit, you know, to them almost instantaneously. So um, it was a real, you know, real difference for me and at least working at the local level and working at the state level. At any level of government practice you've been in, is there a particular case that stands out as being a particularly interesting one or one that really illustrates the dedication to public service that you talked about among your colleagues? Um, It's difficult to think of, you know, one, um, you know, particular uh, case, but I think, um, you know, there there, there were some, you know, interesting aspects of, you know, the jobs that I've had that you can never, you know, replicate um, in, um, uh, you know, in, 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 um, in the, in the private sector, for instance, you know, advising the governor on, you know, whether or not she um, has the constitutional right to uh, bring back the legislature in order to, um uh, take up, take up an important matter um, involving the uh, public interest. Um, my work as a you know as the general counsel to the Public Utility Commission, sort of managing you know a, um, a caseload and and being involved in decisions that were you know directly affecting um, you know utility rates for billions of people and the mm-hmm. and the as well as you know ensuring that people had safe and uh, reliable uh, service. Um, you know, my work at the attorney general's office, uh, also, you know, was, um, uh, uh, there were some matters that involved, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, regulatory decisions, uh, by the attorney general, um, that had a dramatic impact on, you know, certain, uh, sectors, whether it's the utility sector, the healthcare sector, and in some cases, and this is the most interesting thing, about government and again sort of the when you 
when you take an oath for a job and, you know, swear to uphold the state's uh, constitution, the federal constitution and and your office, um, it's it's often the decisions that no one knows about. And really a decision not to do anything may be just as important as taking an enforcement action. And I think um, and I think back at my time is in the attorney general's office, and it was really those um, deliberative processes where we spent a lot of time and a lot of resources looking at a particular issue and then deciding, you know what, actually things are are as they should be here and we're mm-hmm. going to walk away. Um, and we're going to allow, you know, in this case, sort of the, uh, the the market to operate the way it's operating. We've looked at it. We've determined whether or not there's a a a um, uh, something um, that's happening here that's not in the public's interest. And sometimes that's not the case. And sometimes you and I've been fortunate to work for leaders that have the confidence to do that. And sometimes those are the hardest decisions because you're never going to get credit for it. You're never going to get any political points for it if you work for a, a um, an elected official. And I think those were sort of some of the most challenging and interesting matters I worked on that I ended up feeling really good about, but mm-hmm. they're hard to end up explaining yeah. to people because in some cases people will say, well, you, you know, you should have took more. The state should have intervened in that particular matter or, you know, others, you know, will say, um, well, you did what you should do. There was nothing wrong here and you shouldn't have been uh, looking at the issue in the first place. But yeah, I think it's government's job to get in, call balls and strikes and, you know, where there's where there's an issue, get involved. But where there's not, you know, allow um, either, you know, an individual or a company or a um, a particular um, sector to continue uh, to operate without government, um, you know, overreach as well. And that, you know, with with that discretion to determine whether or not you're going to take action or not uh, becomes a lot of responsibility. And I've been fortunate to look work for elected officials that really um, um, took that responsibility seriously. And we're looking more at getting it right than necessarily getting something out of it. On a lighter note, you're very much a Boston insider. And when you have friends or colleagues come in from out of town, What's your favorite place to take them that maybe they wouldn't know about if they just went on the tourist beaten path? Yeah. So, I mean, the 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 one that seems everybody wants to be a part of and it's it's a real treasure that we have here is um, is uh, is our um, our great uh, Fenway Park and uh, yes. <laughs> a Boston Red Sox game. So that seems to be the most common thing that you know folks uh, like to do. Um, I, I encourage people when they come to town to explore the Boston Harbor Islands. Um, it's really they're really a, um, a a gem that's been you know preserved over the um, over the you know literally centuries. And if you experience those islands, you understand a lot more about Boston's place, you know, as really a, uh, as a port. Uh, Boston's place and to see sort of the the views of the city uh, from that vantage point are really is really incredible. So it's something I typically um, uh, uh, like people to do. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, Boston, like many cities, continues to sort of 
you know, reinvent itself. Um, you know, some some institutions have, you know, remained like Fenway Park, um, you know, and there's other parts of the city that are, you know, literally have been developed in the last 10 years, like our new Seaport District, which is right across from our office here uh, okay. in Boston. That's, you know, again, just a great new destination that um, the city has really taken um uh has really sort of um taken advantage of its you know again it being a a a, a, a harbor city and developing that area in a way that's really been uh incredible and of course um you know there's always you know some favorite you know old time you know bars that seem to stick around uh here in boston um including one pretty close to our office um that's I uh, got a, a storied pass, not in a bad way, but uh, Lucky's Lounge, mm -hmm. uh, where I would uh, suggest people maybe take in a cocktail or two. Those who know you know that you're almost never seen without a bow tie. So what's the story behind that? Yeah, no, it's a it's a good one. And it kind of goes back to, you know, a lot of some of the things that we've been talking about. There's a little bit of a government sort of piece here. And, the, and so um, growing up, uh, you know, my dad wore a bow tie every once in a while. It wasn't, you know a regular thing for him. Um, but, you know, it wasn't also something that was completely unusual um, mm -hmm. to me. Um, and, you know, I growing up would also occasionally wear a bow tie. It wasn't really, you know, something that, you know, was a particular part of my, I guess my, uh, my, it was part of my wardrobe, but not something that was, you know, in any way uh, dominant. Um, and so, um, when I did start working and then going back to that internship when I had in law school working for the uh, city of Boston Police Department um, in their legal advisor's office, um, I would wear a bow tie every once in a while. And although I've been in Boston for, you know, since 1993, so, you know, coming up on what, uh, almost 30 years, um, I... Uh, was still, you know, somewhat of an outsider. I wasn't born here. You know, I wasn't, didn't grow up in any of the Boston neighborhoods. And I had a name that was fairly unusual, especially if you were working in government in the city of Boston. Not a lot of Jets. There are a lot of Billies, a lot of Scotties, um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and and certainly not a, not a common uh, name. And for some reason, my boss at the time, my ultimate boss, the city of Boston uh, police commissioner, uh, a guy named Paul Evans, could never really remember my name. Um, and, you know, he used to just refer to me as the, oh, that was the short guy with the bow tie. <laughs> so I just decided, I'm like, all right, you know, <laughs> at least the it. guy knows who I am, right? You know, this guy's busy running a, you know, a police department in a major metropolitan area. And the fact that he actually knows who I am is important. So I said, I'm going to just continue sort of this as a thing now. And it, you know, it might not be a big deal in the in the heart of where Womble's from or even in sort of the greater Boston legal community be a bow tie guy. But to be a government bow tie guy is definitely something that's a thing. And it just sort of kind of continued to develop from that. And, you know, it's something that, you know, I was always, you know, known for in government and it's, you know, it's stuck. Uh, and I had, you know, that, that experience where, you know, I guess if, 
um, you know, again, it's it's better to be known for something than than not known uh, at all. And uh, if it took sort of being the bow tie guy to give people an opportunity for or give me an opportunity to then, you know, prove myself um, uh, as a lawyer, that was fine with me. What a great story. Jed, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Womble Perspectives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Womble Perspectives. If you want to learn more about the topics discussed in this episode, please visit the show notes where you can find links to related resources mentioned today. The show notes also have more information about our attorneys who provided today's insights, including ways to reach out to them. Don't forget to subscribe via your podcast player of choice so that you never miss an episode. Thank you again for listening.